Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, read the news. I think a lot of people don't really read the news anymore. Uh, we read the headlines of the news, which is cool. Um, but I, uh, I, I read the news a lot, and um, it's, it's really hard to read the news and get away from the fact that we live in a really messed up world, right? I mean, it's, even, if you just, even if you never actually read the articles, if you just look at the headlines, even in the last week, um, really tragic things. I mean, I, and I even, uh, I, I go on Yahoo News, which some of you probably don't even know that Yahoo exists anymore, but it does. Uh, but I, I use Yahoo News. I don't know why, I just do. But uh, even just because I knew I was going to be talking about this tonight, I just said, I bet even something has happened today. And there's a train wreck uh, that killed two people. And if you, last uh, Sunday, there was 60-something people in the Middle East that were killed on Easter um, last week, there was a four-year-old girl that got beheaded. Um, it's hard to read the news. It's hard to read the news and not see how messed up and broken our world is and how filled with suffering it is. And so oftentimes, one of the top questions that people wonder is this, where is God in suffering? Like, how can we live in such a messed up, broken world and there be a God, That's some, if you saw uh, Batman and Superman at the very end, what happens is, no, I'm just kidding. But if you saw uh, that, even Lex Luthor, he, he talks about kind of the famous thing that people say, if there's, a, if there's a good God, then how could all this happen? Either God is good and he doesn't have power or God is power and he's not good. And this is one of Lex Luthor's uh, reasons he doesn't like Superman. Um, that's not necessarily the point of the sermon, but the point is that we look at suffering and it's really easy to go, man, where is God in the middle of suffering? And it's crazy, I think, too, in the, the age that we live in where there is so, I mean, social media and so, you see everything that's happening all across the world. You know, back in the day, you live in a village or a small town, you see whatever the front pages of, of that news for that place, but now it's like, man, you see everything happening everywhere and it's really hard to escape the fact that we live in a messed up, broken world. And it's a really easy question to go, man, where is God in suffering? But I think even more than that, sometimes the question we wonder is, where is God when I suffer? Not just broadly speaking in our messed up, broken world of things that make the headlines, but where's God when I suffer? Where's God when I suffer? And, and that could be a question that is coming from the heart in a way that is, I don't even know if there is a God because of my suffering, or it can just be the actual question of, where are you, God, when I'm in the middle of this? I know even in just the last year, people that I've talked with, whether in this church or outside of this church, people that I've talked with that I know, not things that I've read, are dealing with, either now or from their past, sexual abuse and assault and robbery and eating disorders and infertility and adultery and uh, I mean just I mean the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on of just people I know just people I've talked with in the last year I'm not naive as to think that there's not people in this room dealing with really hard things right now or that you have had in your past whether that's divorce or death of loved ones or chronic sickness. or I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. And one of the questions that we can have is, where's God when I suffer? Where's God when I suffer? We live in a messed up world and, and we live lives that have a lot of suffering and it can be hard. 
it can be really hard. Because suffering isn't just hard of the actual thing that you go through, although of course that is. But also suffering can be really difficult because of what it can do in us. I mean, if you have gone through suffering, and most I'm sure have, I mean, it it can create in you There's suffering, and then there's the suffering of suffering, which is, it's hard because it can affect our hearts, and that they start to get hardened, and they start to get cold, and we start to build walls up, and we start to maybe just be unfeeling. There's different ways that we handle the suffering that we go through, or sometimes it doesn't just affect us, it affects our relationships that we have. If, If you've gone through suffering or are going through suffering, a lot of times we create distance between us and other people because it can be really hard to be around others when you're suffering because it can feel like, man, they don't get it. They don't understand what I'm going through. No one's gone what I've gone through. Or maybe it's, it's kind of the reverse. It's, man, they know what I'm going through, but I don't always just want to be the messed up suffering person and them to be coddling me and giving me pity. And we don't want that either. And so suffering can affect us. It can be hard for us. It can affect our relationships and most certainly affect our relationship with God because we go, man, where are you? I know in the suffering that I've experienced in my life, I have said to God and felt, man, God, why aren't you, like, what's going on here? Why aren't you listening to my prayers? Why are you helping them out, but you're not helping me out? Why, it doesn't seem like if I was you, I would be doing something here, and it doesn't seem like you are. What's going on? Like, it it can be really hard the suffering that we go through, but then the suffering of suffering, it it can be really difficult. It can be really challenging. And when we suffer, we need more than just nice little cute phrases. When we suffer, we need more than just God works in mysterious ways. We need more than turn that frown upside down. We need more than you can do it or, or God will use this or we need more than that. And we know that. I mean, every, every, nobody, I don't think there's anyone that is like, you know what we really need when we suffer? One-liners. That's what we need. I don't think anyone thinks that, right? But sometimes we don't know what to do. We know we need more than that for ourselves and for the people that are suffering around us, but we don't know what to do. And we can easily wonder, man, God, where are you in this world when there's so much suffering? And God, where are you in my life when I'm suffering? Where are you? And if we need more than just platitudes, if we need more than than just that, what, what is it that we need? And look, I don't think there's any easy answers for suffering. I don't think there's any easy answers. I don't think there's any easy answers to this question. I don't think there's any easy answers for what is it that we need in the middle of suffering. But I do think, and what if what if you knew? What if you knew your life story? Like, what if, what if you were actually able to go, okay, this is, this is what my story is, and you could actually read it? What if you knew what your story was? Because, you know, when you watch a movie or something, some of you know I love Lord of the Rings, and if you watch that, the extended edition preferably, so if you watch like 50 hours of that, and, and which you should if you're a good Christian, and if you're um, watching that, you know what happens, right? Well, you sh- I mean, I do. I've seen it many times. But you know what happens. And so when you're in the middle of it and, you're, and something bad is happening to Frodo or something bad is happening to Sam, you're not going, oh, I, can't, I can't believe this. I'm done. I can't watch this. His life is horrible right now. 
This is crazy. Look, he got beat up. Look, Gandalf got, I know some of you are like, what are you talking? Some of you are happy and some of you are, this is crazy, but I'm going to keep going. But you know, you don't look at Gandalf and go, man, he got betrayed. I can't believe this. This is, I'm just done. Because you know the story. You know the story. And so it's, it's okay because you know, because you can see it from this perspective. So what if you knew your story? Like, what if you could actually go, hey, here's what your story's going to be. I don't, I don't think that gives us easy answers of our suffering. I don't think it gives us easy answers, but I think it would change our perspective. I think that what we need in the middle of our suffering isn't, isn't just nice statements, isn't just you can do it or you can be strong or God's mysterious. Or I, I think we don't need that. But I do think, what if we knew our story? What if we knew what it would be? I think that would change some things. In the chapter that we're looking at tonight, in John chapter 11, I love this chapter. It's been a huge help to me in my suffering. It's been a huge help to me because I think it allows us in some ways to peel back the secrets of the universe and look at somebody else's story that we get to look at from the narrator perspective. Now, we, we, can't, we don't have the privilege of doing that with our story, right? No one's ever given you a book and said, here's what your life's going to be. And you'd read some chapters and go, oh, man, it's going to be hard. But you get to the end and you go, man, that was a good book. But we get that here in this chapter. We get things peeled back. We get to see into a story of someone suffering and get to know what's going on behind the scenes. See, I, I think that we don't need just nice phrases and nice things like that. I think we need a story. I think we need a story. And if we were able, we don't, we don't have the privilege of seeing our story, but we can, see, we can see this guy's story. And I think it can help inform ours. And the story will help us see some things about Jesus. Help us see some things about him. Because I think that's what we need in the middle of our story. If we wonder, man, God, where are you? Or where are you when the world is suffering? Or where are you when I'm suffering? I think we need to know, okay, so where is he? What's going on? And so we don't get our story, but we get this guy's story. So John chapter 11, this is what we're going to look at. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment, that's like a perfume, and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. And so the brothers sent to him, so the sisters rather, sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And I, I just want to stop for a second and look at this. Because this is where many of us find ourselves or have found ourselves at different times in the middle of suffering. These are good people, okay? These are friends of Jesus. Jesus had a good relationship with these people. Jesus, when he was just kind of on the weekend, this is where he hung out at their house. Um, I mean, he just ate meals with these people. He loved these people. These were friends of his. Even the sisters say, Lord, he whom you love is ill. They're not, it's not just some stranger. And Jesus healed strangers. It's not just some random person. These are, these are friends of his. These are people that were in the inner circle. These are people that... After a hard day of doing things, this is, this is Jesus' friends. These are people that he loved and cared about and that loved him and cared about him. And that's where many of us find ourselves. We're close with God, we, and, and yet when you suffer, it's like, man, does God not care about me then? Or what's going on? And 
they're, I mean, they believe he can do something, right? I mean, they, they go, man, our brother's sick. What do we do? Well, we call Jesus. That's what we do. Man, our brother's going to die. What do we do? Let's, let's ask Jesus. I mean, these, these are good people. These are friends of Jesus. They're close with Jesus. They have faith of what he can do, that he has power. I mean, it's all the things that, that we would hope to have in the middle of suffering, and they, they go to him. So this is like us. We are close with God, and we believe that he has power. We believe he can do things, and we pray to him, and we ask him to do something, and nothing happens. I mean, that's where we've found ourselves. I assume probably most of us have found ourselves in that point at some point, or you will. You're close, and you believe, and you have faith, and you ask him to do something, and there's no response. Nothing happens. So this is the story that they find themselves in, that we often find ourselves in. When Jesus heard it, so when he hears that Lazarus is sick and needs help. When Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And they had been there, but the Pharisees were trying to attack him, kill him, arrest him. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Jesus is saying, hey, while I'm here, I've got work to do. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I, but I go to awaken him. And the disciples, always very smart, said, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Can you flip it for me? Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. They think, man, Judea is a place a bunch of people want to kill you, Jesus, so it's going to be dangerous going there, but this guy is, he's that friend that you want to have that's just gung-ho about anything. He's like, let's go and die with him. So that's, that's Thomas, okay? Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. So he's dead, he's been dead for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, and this is what we say, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. The Jews believed that everybody would kind of rise at once. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So you, let's look at this story here. They call out to Jesus. Or as we do, we pray. 
They believe he has power. They believe he can do something. They believe he can fix something. They believe he can bring healing to someone they love. In the middle of their suffering, they're going to him. And they wait. And they wait. And they wait. And they wait. And he dies. And they wait. And he's been dead four days and no sign of Jesus. In the middle of our suffering, so often, we call out to God and silence and nothing. So isn't it natural that we wonder, where is God in suffering? And Martha sees Jesus. And when she comes to him, she says, if you had been here, if you had been here, I don't know what you're going through right now or what you have gone through, but I know when what I have gone through that that's what I've said. God, if you had... God, you could have done something about this. You could, if, oh, I mean, that's all it would have taken from you, God. Just that. And think about Mary and Martha, friends of Jesus, had been with Jesus for a long time. They had seen Jesus heal all sorts of strangers. They'd seen Jesus heal people without even being there. We've seen the times where Jesus, someone comes up to Jesus and says, hey, my, my friend or my daughter is sick miles away. And Jesus goes, done. They're better. I mean, they, they knew that this is who Jesus was. They say, if you had been here, and this is what, man, that, is that not what we feel? God, you could have done something about this. You could have done something. You could have fixed this. I saw you do it for them. I saw you help them. And you didn't help me. I saw, you, I saw you fix their situation. I saw you heal their troubled relationship. I saw you heal their sickness. I saw you intervene in their problem. And we all prayed for them and something good happened. And if you would have been here, I would have been okay. Anybody felt that? I've felt that many times. What does this reveal about Jesus? Well, what does Jesus say to her? Jesus says to her, what we see in this story, Jesus heard her. That's one thing that encourages to me, encourages me. Jesus, Jesus heard her request. Sometimes when we pray and we call out to God and we wonder, where are you in the middle of suffering? It can feel like he's not listening at all. Jesus says, no, I, I heard you. I got the message. To me, this is good news because sometimes when we suffer, we feel like, man, does he not care about me? Is he just not listening? Do I not matter to him? Uh, have I displeased him in some way that he's ignoring me? But what Jesus says here is, no, I, I hear you, and I have some reasons why I'm not doing what you've asked me to do. That's what he tells his disciples. It's what he, it's what he tells her. He has some reasons now look, this doesn't mean that Jesus made Lazarus sick. I'm not saying that whatever bad happens in your life, that Jesus caused that to happen. It doesn't say that Jesus made Lazarus sick, but it does say that he gets the message and he stays. He has reasons for not intervening, but, but it's more than that. It's better than that. Because you know what it says, and this is funny, curious. It says, this is such a crazy verse. But this is why I love this chapter, because it helps us understand our story. It says this, Jesus loved Lazarus, and Jesus loved Mary, and Jesus loved Martha. So 
he stayed. What? Jesus loved Mary. He loved Martha. He loved Lazarus. So he let him die? Doesn't that seem like it should be but or he forgot? And so it says he loves Mary. He loves Lazarus. He loves Martha. Therefore, so he let him die. Now that, I mean, that's a weird kind of love, right? Like if somebody says, hey, I want to love you like Jesus today. You're like, great. I'm like, yeah, let's read this verse. You're like, oh, I don't want to be loved like that. That's a weird Valentine's Day card. I love you like Jesus, so I'm going to let you die. Right? That's weird. I mean, it's weird, but that's what it says. It says he loves Mary, and he loves Martha, and he loves Lazarus. So when he gets the message, come heal Lazarus, he goes, I'm going to stay because I love him. So here's, here's what we see here. Jesus hears. He hears her request. He hears what's going on. He hears it. He has reasons that he stays. His reasons are for love for Lazarus and Mary and Martha, and he says his disciples also. But how is that love? How is it love? Well, it's love because Jesus says he's after something better than just healing Lazarus. He's after something beyond just preventing Lazarus from dying. What he's after is a deeper sense of belief, of trust, of a deepening relationship with him, of a knowing him in a more profound way. Jesus tells his disciples, I am glad that Lazarus is going to die for your sake. Jesus tells Mary and Martha and, and, and Lazarus as well, I'm glad because there's something more important that I'm trying to do. I want you to know me. Don't you know that suffering squeezes you? Suffering squeezes you, right? And whatever's in you comes out. See, we, we can go along in our life and think we're good and think that we love God and think that we know God and think that we trust God and think that think, we can think all sorts of things about us, about ourselves, about our relationships, about, about God and think, man, things are good. But when suffering comes, it squeezes you and whatever's in there comes out of you. And Jesus says, man, I want, I want you to know me. I want you to see my glory, he says. But it's not just like, hey, I want to show off and do a magic trick. It's, I want you, there's something better for you than just your brother staying alive. There's you knowing me. So when, when, Mary, when Martha comes to Jesus, he says, do you believe that not just that I can bring healing to people, but that I am the resurrection in the life? I see what, this story tells us about Jesus, the first thing is this. He is working in the middle of our suffering. He's involved in the middle of our suffering. It might not always be in the ways that we want it to be, but it says he is working and he's involved in the middle of it, working to do something deeper than just alleviation, working to help us know him, because he wants what is absolutely best for us. And that's more than just our circumstances changing. He wants us to know him. He wants us to enjoy him in a deeper level than we do. 
So the first thing that this story reveals to us about Jesus is that he is involved and working. He's not absent. He hears, he loves, he has reasons, he works differently with different people, but he's involved and working. That's the first thing. But then there's more. He talks with the second sister. When she had said this, Martha, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, same thing, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And really those words are angry. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Really, I mean, they say the same thing that Lex Luthor says that we say. Some say, man, he had power, but I thought he loved him. And others say, man, look how much he loves him, but he couldn't do anything about it. So what does this reveal? See, I, I love this story. I love this story because it shows Jesus deal with Martha, and then it shows him deal with Mary, and it's very different. Mary comes to, Martha comes to Jesus and she says, she's very composed and she says, Lord, if you would have done this and I still believe that you can do it and um, we, I know that anything you ask from God, that God will give it to you and Jesus kind of has this more intellectual conversation with her. Mary, Mar, sorry, I'm getting confused. Martha, do you believe in me? She says, yes, I believe uh, that everyone's going to rise on the last day. And it's this very kind of theological, intellectual conversation about the suffering that she's experiencing. And Jesus meets her at that level and he talks with her. And some of us, that's how we are in the middle of suffering. And some, you know, I don't think any one person handles things different ways. We kind of bounce all over the place. But Mary, that's not what happens with her. Mary just runs to him, falls at his feet. She says the same thing, Lord, if you would have been here, but it's in weeping. And she's on the ground crying. And some of us in the middle of our suffering, that's, it's not, we're not Googling what does God do in suffering, and we're not trying to read books and articles about God and suffering. We're just on the ground crying, going, if you would have been here. And how does Jesus respond to that? What does it reveal about Jesus in this story that maybe helps us understand our story in the middle of suffering? How does he respond to her? It's a lot different, right? It says he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled, which are words for anger. So how does Jesus respond to her when he sees this emotion and this pain and, this, and her feeling all of this? How does he respond? He feels with her and says he's angry. Jesus, see, look, in your suffering, you ever been angry in your suffering? And this was unjust that this happened to me. My boss mistreated me. It was wrong. The abuse I received, it was wrong. The way this person did this to me, the way they lied to me or slandered me or betrayed me, it was wrong and you're angry. And Jesus looks at death. 
He looks at this and he's angry. He feels what she feels and he's angry. I love this because sin and death in our world is not the way that God made it. It's not the way that God, and you can go, well, why is he angry? He could have fixed it. He could have done something about it. It doesn't make sense that he's angry when he could have fixed it. Well, he could have, you're right. But he is responding to her emotion. All of these things come together. Jesus, yes, he's working and he's involved and he has reasons, and, but he also feels with us. Jesus is angry at the injustice that you've received at the brokenness and the hurt and the pain, he looks at it and he's deeply moved and troubled in his spirit. But that he's not just angry. What does it say? He weeps. I watched this, um, this DVD today. Um, uh, not the whole thing, but it's, uh, it's, about, it's, it's about the Gospel of John and it, it's, just, uh, it's a word for word, so it actually just, all the whole script is just words from the Bible. And watched this part. And it says, you know, it's the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. But you know what happens in the scene? It's, uh, he's talking with Mary and she's crying. And Jesus, one gentle little tear rolls down his cheek as he... That's not what it says. Have you seen someone cry before? Have you seen someone watch a, uh, an inspirational... You know, my wife cried. I think, I don't know if she cried, but she got a little Jesus tear with uh, the, the new of um, Civil War uh, Marvel uh, Captain America trailer. And I don't know if you are into those, but I am. And um, they need to do a mashup with like The Hobbit. But it's, um, it's uh, it would, I would, you'd never see me. I'd be watching it like nonstop. But what happens is Iron Man, Captain America, they're friends, right? But Iron Man's got, or Captain America's got this other friend. And, um, and Captain America goes, man, Iron Man, I've got to do this because he's my friend. And then Iron Man goes, but we used to be friends. And, you know, and my wife's like, oh, and, you know, a little Jesus tear comes out. But that's not what it says. Okay, I know it's like, that's a long you know, explanation. But yes, because my point is this. They show the scene. And when we think about, no, what's weeping? Have you seen someone weep? Have you wept? Weeping is not little little tear coming out. Weeping is you are Man, you are messy and snotty and dirty and muddy. And I mean, you are, I mean, just, it's, it's not pretty, right? I mean, weeping is you're on the ground in tears and snot and fluids and your hair's a mess and you are, Jesus wept. It doesn't say Jesus shed a little tear for her. It says Jesus wept. What, I mean, what does the story reveal to us about Jesus? Look, the first part shows us this. He's involved and he's working. He's not absent. But this with Mary, he feels with her. He's angry at death and brokenness and sin. And because she is sorrowful and she is weeping, he is weeping with her. You've got to know this. Look, in your life, in your suffering, what do you think God feels about you in the middle of your suffering? You think that he's annoyed with you? In the middle of your suffering, you think he's annoyed? You think he's kind of like, man, can't she get over this already? You think he is thinking, what am I trying to teach you here? You think he is sitting there with a watch going, okay, I saw some tears, now let's, let's move on. 
What, what do you think Jesus is doing? What do you think God feels about you? And maybe nothing. Maybe you just think, well, he's all powerful and he, he doesn't get it. And he's, what do you think God feels about you in the middle of your pain? Whether this is past or present, what do you think he feels? What do you think God feels about you in the middle of what you've gone through? Here, what she's feeling, Jesus feels. What she's feeling, he feels. When she is upset and angry that her brother's dead, Jesus is upset and angry that there's a broken world with death in it. And when she is weeping, Jesus is weeping. What does Jesus feel for you in the middle of your suffering? He feels with you. God doesn't look passively. God cares about what we go through. He cares about what we go through. He doesn't say, it could have been worse. Martha could have died too. He doesn't say that. He weeps with her. That's not it. Story moves on. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. In the King James, literally it says this, Lord, he stinketh. No joke. You can look it up. So she's like, he's going to smell bad. This is what she's thinking, you know. It's like when Jesus is about to do a miracle, don't be like, well, what's it going to smell like? Okay. So Jesus said to her, did, it's because she doesn't believe though, right? And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. A man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. I mean, I, I was reading this. I'm like, man, if I'm Lazarus, I'm going to be a little upset though. Because it's like you died, you get to heaven Oh, this is amazing, right? This is all my grandma. I get to see my grandma again. Oh, you're about to find out all the questions you've ever had about God. So God, you know, I was reading the Bible. What happened here? And then all of a sudden, oh gosh, I stink. I'm in, I'm in a mummy wrap, you know? So that's what happened. Bad day for Lazarus. And he's got to die again, you know? It's like, oh crap, I've been through this before. I got to do it again. So gee, I mean, I just think it's unfair for Lazarus. Everybody else is happy. Lazarus is like, put me back in, you know? So... Okay, third thing is this. I mean, I think it's how it went down. It's my mind. Um, what's, what else? Here's what we see. Jesus is involved. It's the first thing we see. Jesus is involved. In the middle of our suffering, in the middle of this story that we see, he's involved. He's not absent. He's doing something. And he feels with us. But that's not it. It's also that he restores the broken things. Now look, this is hard because for Lazarus it was four days. For the sisters it was four days. And then the death and the brokenness was healed. It was dealt with. For us it might be 60 years. It might be 10 years. It might be 20 years. It might, I mean, but what we know is this. What Jesus shows us here is this. He has power over the broken things in this world. He has power over death. 
And we see this all throughout Jesus' ministry, that it breaks through in certain moments, that Jesus comes and he heals and he changes things and he fixes things in certain moments and people get a taste of that and an experience of that, that the broken things get put back together, they get restored. But that doesn't always happen in four days like it does with Lazarus. But we do know what the Bible says is that one day Jesus will return and there will be no more tears. It says he will wipe every tear from our eyes and he'll heal everything that's been broken and he'll restore everything that's been messed up. You know, we get a snapshot of this because we see, man, Jesus has power over death. Jesus has power over death, the greatest enemy. Jesus has power over sickness. He has power over that. And that doesn't always happen in four days. It might happen in 60 years. But Jesus has power to restore broken things. This is why Mother Teresa said, from the perspective of heaven, from the perspective of heaven, looking back at our life on earth, it's going to be like one bad night in a hotel. You ever stayed and showed up at the Airbnb or wherever you went? You're like, oh, crap. This is, I'm going to have to watch Lord of the Rings and just focus on that. That ever happened to you? Yeah, it's happened to me. And you're like, that was a bad night, but it's not like it ruins your life. Mother Teresa says, from the perspective of heaven, all the suffering and everything we went through on earth is going to be like one bad night in a hotel. I mean, if you have your story in your hand, if you were able to look at your story in your hand and you'd go, man, that was a bad chapter. Because one day, Jesus is going to restore everything that's been broken. We, we see here, he's got power over death. He's got power over the broken things in this world. And we don't always see that in four days like the sisters did. But they didn't know that that's what it was going to be for them either. We know it, we see it because we have the story. But they didn't know. They felt, they grieved, they experienced pain, they experienced loss. But we do see that Jesus has power over death, that Jesus will, here's what this means, man, whatever you've lost in this world, whatever way you've been hurt in this world, whatever injustice has been done to you, whatever you've suffered, whatever, whatever has happened, there will be a day that Jesus restores everything that's been broken. There will be a day that Jesus fixes and heals everything that's been broken. Like it says in Lord of the Rings, Sam says, that once they fix all the problems with Middle Earth, that all the sad things will come untrue. All the sad things will come untrue. It doesn't mean they didn't happen, but it means it's transformed in such a way. Lazarus really died, but him coming back to life made it all the much sweeter that he had died. That Jesus will restore and heal everything that's been broken out. What does this reveal? What does this story tell us about Jesus? Hasn't this, man... In the middle of your suffering, whether it's in the past or now or in the future, isn't this what we would hope would be true about God? Isn't this what we hope would be true? That he's actually involved in it, that he feels for us, and that he it will fix it, he will change it? Isn't that what we hope would be true? And if... If that is what's true, I mean, if this is what our, I mean, look, imagine if you knew that this was your story. We've got a chapter here, this guy's story. Imagine if you knew your story 
And you knew this was it. You knew something like this was going on. That's the kind of, I mean, if, if I knew that that's what Jesus was like, if I knew that that's what Jesus was like, that would change our story. It would change how we re- respond. Got a couple more things here. How, how would we respond if this were our story? Let me say this, for those of you maybe that are not suffering right now, but you are friends with people that are, and you know, we're a community. We're a community. That's a big part of what our church is. We believe that life is not meant to be lived alone. That God designed us to be in relationship with other people. And some people are going through suffering and some people aren't. And then those people will go through suffering and maybe these people will not. And sometimes we don't know, how do we deal with suffering? How, how would we respond if we knew that this is the kind of story that God is doing in the middle of suffering. You know what I think we would respond as a community if we're not necessarily the ones suffering? I think we would weep with people like Jesus does. I think we wouldn't ask them, what God's, what's, what's God trying to teach you right now? I think we wouldn't be annoyed with them and burdened with them and hoping they get over it soon because it's tiring. I think we would, as the Bible says, mourn with those that mourn. I think we would enter into their pain I think we would also work to be a part of restoring things just as Jesus does. If we know that, man, God feels my pain in the middle of my suffering, I'm gonna try to feel other pain, other people's pain in the middle of theirs. If I know that Jesus is gonna work to restore my brokenness and my suffering, man, right now, as an extension of his love and his presence, I wanna work to help restore the brokenness in these people's lives. You know what that means? It means we don't just ask people, how can I help you? It means we think proactively about how we can help them. And I think it also means that we would try at the appropriate time to help people see Jesus. Jesus, in the middle of our suffering, wants us to know him. So sometimes that looks like saying, man, let me remind you how good of a shepherd Jesus is. Let me remind you that Jesus feels your pain and weeps with you right now. Let me remind you that Jesus isn't absent and he's involved in this right now. We actually help people see Jesus in the middle of their suffering. And what would it mean for us when we are the ones suffering? How would we respond if we knew this was our story, that this is what he was doing? I think it means we would go to him. I mean, don't, if, if you knew that this is what Jesus was like, that he feels your pain, he, feel, he weeps with you, he's angry with you, he's involved and he's working, he's not distant even though he doesn't necessarily do the things we would want him to do and that one day he will restore it all. If we knew that, wouldn't we talk to him? If we knew that's what he was like? How, how, how would we respond if we knew this was our story? Here, I mean, just really simply, we would actually be going to him and talking with him and processing with him. If you know that that's what Jesus is like and he is, we can talk with him. Knowing he's not kind of sitting there angrily at us, wanting us to figure it out, get it together, learn our lesson, but that he's this kind of Jesus. We would talk with him. And you know what else? We would seek him out. Not just in prayer, but part of how we experience Jesus' presence now, the Bible says, is the church. That the church is the body of Christ. And so we don't get, you know, it's amazing for those sisters that Jesus actually was there. And we don't get that. But we get each other. 
And sometimes in the middle of suffering, we actually, as I said, distance ourselves from one another. But if we know, man, this is what Jesus is like, and where do I find Jesus now? I can, I can talk with him, and I should do that. But I also find him by his spirit in his people. And so I can go to them, and I can say, my heart is hurting. Help me. Cry with me. Help me, my heart, I, I need to believe that Jesus is involved in this and I don't. Can you help me? So I would encourage you, if you are not suffering, but you're walking with people that are, respond the way that God has responded to us. And if you are suffering, seek out Jesus through prayer and his people. Last thing is this, how do we know this is true of our story? You know, maybe, okay, so it's great. That's maybe Jesus loved Lazarus and he loved Mary and he loved Martha. But how do I know this is my story? How do I know this isn't just a chapter? He was involved with Lazarus. He wept with Lazarus. He's, he healed Lazarus and restored Lazarus' brokenness. But how do I know this is true of my story? How do I know this isn't just a nice little Bible page? Here's the last part of the chapter. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it's better for you that one man should die for the people. Not that the whole nation should perish. They're saying we should get rid of him, that way we don't all die. He did not say this of his own accord. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. John is writing saying he didn't really know what he was talking about, but what he said was actually true. And not only for the nation, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim. And there he stayed with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, what do you think, that he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. How do we know this is true of our story? Here's how it ends. It says that Jesus, one man, was going to die for everybody. For the nation, and not just for the nation, but to bring in God's children. How do we know this is our story? What, what this tells us here is this. That Jesus does, isn't just involved in our suffering. He doesn't just feel for us in our suffering. He isn't just going to restore all the suffering that we experience, but that he also suffered for us. How do we know that this is true of our story? Because it says that God came to this earth, that Jesus came here to suffer for us. To suffer for us. You know, in the middle of suffering, when we wonder, God, where are you? I remember a while back I was experiencing some suffering. And I prayed and I said, Jesus, I know that, I know that you became a man. And I know that you feel the pain that I feel. I know that you experience human temptations and human emotions. And I, and I know that 
uh, you, you were, you've experienced physical pain on the cross. And I know that people betrayed you and you experienced that. But there's one thing, Jesus, that I'm suffering right now that you don't know what it's like to feel. Because in the middle of suffering, what we often feel and what I felt then was this. Where's God? And I said, Jesus, you don't know what that's like. You don't know what it's like to say, where's God? You don't know what it's like in the middle of your suffering, not just to be experiencing suffering, but to be experiencing, God, where are you? You've left me. And then in that moment, I remembered the words of Jesus on the cross that was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, Jesus is involved in our suffering, and he feels our suffering, and he will restore our suffering, but he has also suffered like we suffer. How do we know this is true of our story? Because what it says here is that Jesus came and he suffered like we suffer for us. And he felt the worst of it, physical pain, emotional pain, and spiritual pain. And when we take communion, we remember that he suffered for us because he loves us and he wanted to feel what we feel and he wanted to save us. He suffered what he suffered so he could bring us to himself. That's what it says. Jesus was going to suffer. He was going to die. Why? That way he could bring us to himself. And that's what we remember when we take communion, that he has given us his life. And he was willing to die so that he could have you and have me. He's willing to suffer and have his body broken and his blood shed so that he could have you and me as his children. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us and that you care for us and that you are for us. And Jesus, I thank you that you know everything going on with everyone in this room. God, you know um, what everyone is experiencing. You know the, the pain and the hurt and you know the things in the past that are buried that we haven't dealt with. You know the things that we've hardened our hearts to. You know the things that we've grown cold about. You know the things. You, God, you know all of it physical, emotional, spiritual. You know all the pain of the people in this room. You know it all, God, and you've seen it all. And I thank you that you care for us and you love us and you feel for us and you're involved with us and that you have suffered the way we've suffered. And you've suffered the way we suffered because of how much you love us and want us. So I pray that we would know that, that we'd believe that. Even as we sing songs and take communion, that truth would become more real to our hearts. In your name, amen.